Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview. Or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. How many of you uh, are starting out the Read the Bible in a Year plan? Anyone doing the Read the Bible in a Year? No one? No one wants to brag. No one wants to brag about it. I get it. That's all right. Uh, probably a good move. Uh, if, you, if you are, you've probably been reading through Genesis this week. And one of the things that stands out to me so much in the first chapters of the Bible and moving on really in the first book of the Bible is how many times you have the phrase, then the Lord said, then God said, or God then said. Um, it happens over and over again. Of course, we know the story of creation is, is a story of God speaking creation into being, speaking order in, out of chaos. And, and the voice of the Lord is an incredibly powerful thing in that story. You move on to where human, human beings are running around in the wor- world and interacting with people. And it's like God's speaking to them all the time. Genesis 7, God speaks to Noah, says, I want you to go into the ark, you with your whole family. Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abraham. He says, go out, leave your country, leave your people, go to a land. I'm going to show you. I'm going to bless you. Genesis 26, the Lord appears to Abraham's son, Isaac, speaks to him. A few chapters later, he appears to Jacob. Of course, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are known as the patriarchs, the fathers of our faith. Uh, and then, and then really from there on out, scripture is filled with story after story of God speaking to his people, God's voice directing their lives. Really, the scriptures paint a a picture for us of what we should expect to be our reality too, that we should see this as normal in our lives, that our lives are a story of how God speaks to us and then how we respond to what God says. In Scripture, we read these stories of God speaking to people, and when people respond with trusting obedience to God's voice, life happens, flourishing happens. When people respond doing what is right in their own eyes, ignoring God's guidance, walking in in fear or doubt, death happens. And this story of Scripture is meant to be a story that we are then embracing as the story of our lives. Do we respond to God's voice with trusting obedience or do we respond doing those things that seem right in our own eyes? There's a story in the Gospels of when Jesus was tempted by Satan before he began his ministry and he reiterates this principle when he's when he's uh, speaking with Satan and, and the tempter is coming to him and, and, and Jesus counters with a verse saying, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again, the idea that God would speak to his people is considered normal by the authors of Scripture. It's an idea that I think a lot of people are somewhat skeptical of today. Uh, for many people, the only truths that are worth embracing are the things that you can, you can test in a lab or can be proven with a little calculus. But it was really seen as normal at one time that there was communication between the divine and humanity. When you think about your own life and what you might define as normal, many of us define as normal 
whatever our experiences have been. If, if this is how my family worked growing up, it's normal. Maybe some of you who have gotten married have, have discovered this. You, you, ha, you find yourself in conversations with your spouse about things like, well, it is normal for the toilet paper to be dispensed rolling over the roll rather than under the roll. Under the roll is just absolutely abnormal. It's normal to have turkey at Thanksgiving and ham at Christmas. This is what normal, good, God-fearing people do. It's normal to do things the way that I've always done them. And it's abnormal to do anything else. I grew up in a, in a believing family that ranked the importance of hearing and discerning God's voice as, as very, very, very high in terms of what it means to follow Jesus. Probably would be safe to say, the most important thing. I don't know if anyone has said this is the most important thing, but the way that we lived our lives and the way that it was presented to me, I came away with the understanding that hearing God's voice is the most important thing that a follower of Jesus can do. The question was asked facing any kind of major decision. Well, what, what is God saying? Have you prayed about it? What is God doing or, or how is God weighing in on this decision? Maybe this is one of the reasons why it's so important to me, and I see it as very normal, right? Because I grew up this way. But I think this view is also backed up by the Scriptures. So when I was 19 years old, I was uh, doing some mission work with an organization called YWAM, and I, I, I really remember a, a pretty major decision that I had to pray about. And, um, and I guess I want to talk about that a little bit and set the stage for the next thing I want to talk about, the next big decision I had to pray about, um, but uh, this, this we were uh, we were a, a class of thirty-seven uh, young, bright-eyed missionaries, uh, ready to serve the Lord with our lives. We did three months of training in Perth, and then we were set to do three months of outreach at three different locations out in the world. Uh, one was in South Africa, one was a team going to New Zealand, and the other one was a team going to Cambodia. And this is in the fall of two thousand one. And so we all had an assignment. We needed to hear the Lord. We needed to pray about which trip we're supposed to go on. And then the process of that assignment was step one, you know, listen, hear the Lord. If you feel a hunch of the whisper of God's spirit to your soul that, you know, go to Cambodia or go to New Zealand, then do that. The step two of the assignment was we were, to, we were to take whatever we came away with step one with and look for confirmation. I think one of the reasons that people get so nervous when you talk about hearing the voice of the Lord is because we all hear that in our heads in a highly subjective way. Most of us haven't had an experience where, uh, you know, the angels appear or the audible voice of the Lord is shouting at us. For most of us, it's it's. It's like a voice in the back of your head or a voice in the core of your heart. A whisper, a hunch, a feeling that the divine being who rules over all of creation is interacting with me in a very intimate way and trying to provide me with communication. So we were to take whatever that hunch was and we were to take it to the scriptures and look for God to confirm what he was speaking to our hearts through his word. As Christians, 
we value the unique revelation that comes to each of us, the whispers of God's Spirit to our soul. And we also value the revelation that's been preserved and passed down to us by the people of God, received as the reliable revelation of who God is. We value the Scriptures. We value what the Scriptures teach us about who God is and what He's all about in the world. And so we would expect that these two sources of communication from God would be in alignment if God is indeed speaking to us. Our personal revelations cannot be in violation of the Scriptures, the Word of God. So the assignment was to pray, and in your praying, in your listening, take some time to read the Scriptures and see if God speaks to you through that. Another thing we were doing at the time was a 24-7 prayer watch, we called it. So for 24 hours, seven days a week, somebody who was a member of this YWAM group, we called them bases. Uh, I think it's a reference to the game of tag, but I'm not positive. Someone in the YWAM base was going to be praying at any given time. And so we were split up actually into teams of three, and we covered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My slot for prayer, along with two of my roommates, was from 2 to 3 a.m. on Thursday mornings. It was brutal. I think they gave all the lowest people on the totem pools, like, through the middle of the night responsibilities. Uh, the other th- three guys in our, in our room, their slot was, uh, for, there were six of us in the room together. Three of us were from 2 to 3 a.m. The other guys were from uh, 3 to 4 a.m., and, and I, I'm going to tell on them a little bit. We would come in, we'd wake them up, your shift's ready to go. And sometimes they would just fall back asleep and not pray. Uh, but my team, we didn't do anything like that. We were out there. And so, so I can remember it's Thursday morning. It's, you know, 2 in the morning. I'm tired because I'm young and I've probably stayed up too late. And, and, uh, and I'm just trying to stay awake. I'm just trying to make it through this hour. I don't want to let the, the whole team down. I don't want our cycle of prayer to be broken. And so two of my roommates and I were sitting out in the hallway in our apartment complex uh, praying quietly. And I've got my Bible open. It was a New King James Bible. I got it about the time I turned 12. It had pages and everything. This was a long time ago. Uh, and And I've just, I've done that thing that you do when it's two in the morning and you're trying to stay awake and you're trying to be holy. I've just flipped it open to read somewhere. And I'm, I'm reading along in, uh, in the book of Isaiah, and I come across this passage. Oh, sorry. I'm reading along in the, in the book of Second Chronicles. Isaiah's later. We'll get there. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter 16. Uh, it says, Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. I was coming back years later. I'd written this down, but I lost whatever I'd written it down in. And I was, I was trying to remember, what was that passage? And that, that verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord go to and fro, is a pretty famous passage of Scripture. And I remembered that was a part of it, so it made it super easy to find back in the day, because the whole thing about Ethiopia and Lubim, which is Libya, are, are like, who remembers that stuff, right? Nobody. So uh, leading up to this, the hunches I had from the Holy Spirit was that God wanted me to go to South Africa. 
And I'd more or less settled my heart that that was the trip I needed to go on. And I was just now spending my time looking for God to confirm that through the scriptures. And so I read those pages and I have a basic understanding of world geography. And so I'm like, Ethiopia, that's in Africa. I'm 99% sure. Lubim, I'm not sure where that's at. I looked in the margin and said Libya. And I was like, oh yeah, Libya. I'm 99% sure that's in Africa. And so although the chronicler has written for me these words, and what he is writing about is this moment when a prophet is rebuking one of the kings of Judah for looking for military assistance from the nation up to the north rather than trusting God when he's in trouble. Uh, incidentally, he's being attacked by the rest of Israel. Um, but that's, that's a story for another day. Anyhow, he's, he goes to try to make an alliance with Damascus up to the north, and the prophet comes to him and rebukes him and says, You should have trusted the Lord. Remember that time? When God gave you victory over the Ethiopians and Libyans, you, they were great armies. And God gave you victory over them because you trusted in him. He's the one who delivered them into your hand. So I'm reading the words that are a specific message to this king from ages ago. But I'm hearing a specific message to me. I read the names of the countries and I'm hearing the Lord say, yes, James, you're hearing me correctly. I indeed am wanting to send you to Africa. I'm hearing this, I'll, I'll give the people of Africa into your hand. And, and keep in mind at this stage in my life, I am, I'm sold out as a missionary. Missionaries are always asking God for the hearts of the people who are around them. And when I hear God saying, I'm going to give them into your hand, I'm not thinking about military victory. I'm not thinking about the problematic, you know, themes that are in there of me approaching Africa with military victory in mind. I'm not thinking about any of that. What I'm hearing the Lord say is this is going to be an effective ministry opportunity for you. People's lives will be changed. You will have an impact. And when I continue on and I read that the eyes of the Lord are moving to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those who are loyal to him. I'm hearing in a very personal way, James, I am always looking for people who will trust me, who will obey me so that I can show up and prove myself in their lives. So I write these things down. I finish my prayer time, uh, my shift. I go to sleep. I maybe fell asleep before my shift was over. I don't recall all that. But, um, but I walk away from this just a little more confident about God's guidance in my life for my next step. There's another season in my life when I remember feeling particularly desperate to hear God's voice. There's been all kinds of seasons where I've been desperate to hear God's voice, but this is another one I want to talk about. It, it's, uh, this is in, in 2012, 2013. There was about a year of t- worth of time where I was really trying to discern what is it that God is calling me to do. I was working as associate pastor at a dear friend of mine's church here in town. Uh, I'd been there for about a year. And, uh, and prior to that, I'd worked for about five years as a youth pastor and a couple of years before that as a part-time worship leader at a church that now I'm away from it and I'm watching from a distance and the church is imploding. It's falling apart. And in all of that, I'm wrestling with feeling like, 
there's there's aspects of the current context I'm in with this denomination. I'm supposed to be joining it and and taking vows, kind of like marriage vows almost, that I'm going to be a, a lifer here. This is going to be my deal. And, I, and I'm not feeling great about that. My wife's not feeling great about that. And so I'm feeling stuck. I can't go back. I can't go forward. And I don't feel like I can stay where I am. I'm feeling very stuck and I'm feeling very desperate to know what it is that God wants me to do. So I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm seeking the Lord on this stuff. And I remember I'm, I'm out for a walk. I'm walking uh, on my street where I live, up on Beacon Hill. And I'm listening uh, to scriptures in my headphones, because this is not 2001. Uh, I'm listening to the, the scriptures, and I'm listening to the prophet Isaiah. And I get to this part in Isaiah 43 where it says, Forget the former things, and do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and I'm making streams in the wastelands. What I'm listening to is the prophet Isaiah speaking to the Lord's people and and telling them to trust God. In the face of exile, in the face of defeat, God is promising to send a Savior who's going to make a way for his people, promising deliverance to his oppressed people. That's what I'm listening to. But what I am hearing from the Lord is this this new idea that you and Laura have been talking about, about planting a church. This idea is from me. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about how you're going to pay your bills or what people are going to think. This is a new thing that I'm doing, and I'm inviting you to perceive it, to recognize what I'm doing, and to play your role in this thing. I felt a strong reminder from the Lord. As, as you could imagine, uh, any time that you're doing something different that involves uh, vocational change and the accompanying compensation that goes with it, you feel like you're jumping off a cliff. And, I, and I, I distinctly remember feeling the Lord's like, I'm the one who provides streams in the wastelands. Don't you think I can care for your daily needs and your family's financial needs? Just trust me, obey me, walk with me, and I'll do it. This was a moment where I came home and Laura and I had one of those conversations where it was like, yeah, I think we're really going to go for it. I think we're really going to do this. So we reached out to a number of, of friends and, and family members, uh, people who had at one time or another said something to the effect of, James, when you ever start a church, please let us know. We, we really want to be in. So we have a meeting with, uh, with a bunch of people, uh, a dozen or so couples who were at that time people that we felt like were our, our trusted spiritual community. You know, when you're discerning the Lord's voice in your own life. We value the whisper of God's voice to our soul. We value the confirmation of the scriptures that it brings to it. And we also value the confirmation of the believing community. It's one thing for someone to feel a call to, to be a pastor, feel a call to plant a church. It, it, it's another thing if people actually confirm that and people actually come. Uh, it would be very different if I was standing here talking to an empty room about the call of God on my life. 
when the believing community can, can come alongside and confirm those things that God is saying, uh, it, it, it's sort of the third piece of hearing all of that. We're called to walk together. So we've got 12 couples over to the house. We share our desire to, to raise our families and to, to reach our friends with the gospel. Um, we talk about feeling our hearts called to Cowlitz County, feeling that God has spoken to us that this community is a pearl of great price worth giving everything up for to seek his kingdom here. And I kind of get to the end of, of my spiel and, and, uh, and I say something to the effect of, so uh, we're not looking for anyone to make any decisions. If you, you just wanted to give you guys something to pray about being a part of, and we'll probably meet in a few more weeks and, and anyone who wants to can come back and we'll, we'll talk about this some more. And so we kind of open it up and the first person to speak up gives an answer along the lines of, look, we've been praying about this for months already. We're just waiting for you to say, yes, we're totally in. And we go from person to person to person around the room, and everybody essentially says the same thing. And so there was a quick pivot. Instead of meeting again to figure out who was actually interested, we just had to meet again to figure out what we were going to call this thing and uh, where we were going to meet because uh, there was 24 adults upstairs at the time and about 35 kids downstairs, and my house was not going to be able to handle that on a weekly basis. A few days after this, uh, I guess it was a few days after the, the next meeting because we decided on the name Renewal City Church, but I, I get a letter in my mailbox from another friend, someone I'd known for a lot of years, uh, but I'd had yet to have a single conversation with about this whole church plant idea. Um, they sent me a letter, a handwritten letter. So guess their age at the time. I'm trying to guess their age. <laughs> Older for sure. I get this letter. It says, hey, we, we heard that you are planting a church. Uh, we've been praying for you. I woke up in the middle of the night with the word renewal in my head. I woke up in the middle of the night with the word renewal in my head. And I had this passage of scripture from Isaiah 43. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The letter sums up saying, hey, so we're in. Let us know when you're meeting and where that is and what the name of your church is because we want to be a part of it. <laughs> As Christians, we value the unique revelation that comes to us, God's spirit whispering to our soul. We value the revelation that's been passed down to us through the church, the reliable scriptures that speak to us of who God is. And we really, really value the safety that's found in numbers. When God's guidance is confirmed by the people around us, when his guidance is expressed through the family of God, the believing community of faith, and the way that our relationships impact one another. Any doubts that I had about being on the right path, that this whole planting a church was a good idea or a bad idea were completely erased when the handwritten letter showed up saying all of that from someone who was not in the loop about what was going on. I have these kinds of experiences uh, sometimes on a weekly basis when 
I've prepared my net message notes. I know what I want to talk about. And I go to look at the song set for that week. And I'm like, this is so great. Our worship team is on the same page. <laughs> did, they, did they read my notes? No, they haven't read my notes. Did I look at their song set? Are you kidding? Like I would be that responsible and plan that well? There's something about the community of faith being on the same page and moving in faith together that is incredibly, incredibly um, encouraging when we're trying to hear the Lord. So this all brings us here today then. We're over 10 years into this church plant. We've seen God do a lot of good things. We've gone through a lot of hard things. But we're here at the beginning of a new year, just as desperate as we've ever been for God's divine guidance. And yet, we're also here as evidence of God's divine guidance. Each of you is here for the same reason. Whether it's His guidance in ways that you're aware of, the only reason you walked through the door today was because you've prayed and fasted and known this is where God's called you to fellowship, or whether you've just showed up because of the circumstances or the happenstances of the world, which Scripture teaches us God is working through all of those things to guide us. He's faithful to guide us even when we're not paying attention. How much more when we are paying attention? Anyways, we're all here together on this day, ready to start this new year together. And so, uh, so I want to take just a moment to listen in quiet to the voice of the Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm going to set a timer for two minutes. And then we'll move on from there. Heavenly Father, we just acknowledge you as the God who speaks. You're the God who speaks in Scripture, and you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. As we're gathered here today as your people, we just believe that you have words that bring life, that you want to speak to our souls. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to do that in a moment of silence. We ask that your divine power would silence those distractions in our minds, the, the, uh, the imaginations that we have, uh, the, the pressures that we maybe feel, the weight of the day. We invite you to quiet those things before us as we just take a deep breath and breathe you in. You're our everything, Lord, and we want to hear you. Let's just sit in silence for two minutes. <laughs> 